Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers to Me fan club. Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content, such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin, and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me. Osman against Brad Jones to put Liverpool out of the cup and not to three. Hello and welcome to It's All Cobblers to Me. Thank you very much for listening. My name's Charles and as always I'm joined by Danny, Neil and Jesse. How are you guys? You okay? Yeah, Magic. Thank you. Magic. Can't complain, Charles. Can't complain. Can't, can't complain. Can't complain. Won't complain. No, no that's can't go work. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, been out on the golf course this week, Neil? I haven't, Charles. It's very difficult to get on the golf course at the moment because every man, woman, boy, girl seems to want to play golf at the moment. So it's quite difficult, mate. So no, oh dear. is the answer. Mm. That's a shame. Hope you get back out on there soon. I've been in the garden. That's been nice. Oh, good, good. Yep. Speaking of gardens... Jesse, anything extra been added to yours since we last spoke? Yeah, genuinely, actually has been. So, you know, he went out and bought a parasol. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So he came home the other day and guess what he's bought? A uh, uh, bouncy castle. No. Gazebo. Another parasol. <laughs> <laughs> because, because one is just not enough. Literally, because um, we were sat in the garden and. <laughs> Um, we decided that there wasn't enough shade for all of us to sit appropriately without having sun in our eyes. So 
Dawn suggested we bought two, so we've got two now. Works perfectly. It's great. Oh, just wants to throw some shade, your Sean, doesn't he? <laughs> Bless his little arm. <laughs> Charles, should we mention about Nacho as well at the moment, since he's been tested positive for coronavirus and you, send you... our best to him? Indeed we shall. Uh, best wishes, Nacho. Get well soon. Although, he's not actually so showing signs, is he, according to the, the release, I think, I read? So Asymptomatic, I think, is the correct term, Charles. Thank you very much, Neil. Yes. Um, yeah, so he's not necessarily suffering, which is good to hear. Um, and, and the squad has gone back to training this week. Yep. Back. They're back. I just saw, actually, a, 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 an Instagram from... <laughs> Sam Hoskins, it, it, it put a picture up of himself coming out of the tunnel with his hair looking <laughs> resplendent, I must oh, say. Uh, and I thought I'd just have a look at the comments. And who did I see in the comments? But Trent Alexander Arnold from Liverpool. No. <laughs> Dig, digging what, out Charlie Good. No. <laughs> yeah. So that can only assume Charlie's potentially moving to Liverpool. Ha. Or Trent Alexander Arnold's moving to Liverpool. <laughs> Uh, Keith Kell using his England caps as uh... <laughs> yeah. Trent Alexander Arnold had tagged Charlie Good in it and said, "You look great here, mate." And Charlie Good had responded saying, "Getting posted ASAP." Laughing, crying emoji. Love it. <laughs> so I, I, there I, we go. Do, do you know? Speaking of um, how expert was, did any of you watch Harry's Heroes on TV last week? Oh, oh, don't spoil watched... it! Don't spoil it! I've oh, not no. watched it. I've not finished What's watching it either. So, so no, so no spoilers here. The one thing though, I'm quite disappointed Keith Kell didn't answer the call. <laughs> I mean, come on! If you're gonna put Vinnie Jones in, who never played for England and played for Wales instead, and not call up Keith Kell, who won three caps. That's do you ridiculous. not think? Do you not think, though, Charles Keith Kell's a bit busy getting ready for the playoffs? I don't care. It would be <laughs> nice to hear for him to have got a mention above Vinnie Bloody Jones. By the way, that program was fantastic. I don't know you guys haven't seen the end of it. It was, it was brilliant. I thought it was genuinely the, the football element of it was almost irrelevant. The the stuff they were talking about, and I know it was for Mental Health Week and stuff, but it was really, really because mm. I, I actually, I know you've not seen it all, so I won't. Hopefully this isn't a spoiler, but Lee Hendry, um, mm. I thought I actually thought initially, look, this guy is a bit of a bell end. I thought it was a bit of a bell end when he played football, but at the end of it, I had a, a, a big amount of respect for him and, and could understand who he was and obviously the troubles he's having and, and had. So I thought it was really, really good. Definitely, if you haven't seen it, watch it. Definitely, definitely. And and going back again, obviously, we do send our best wishes to Nacho and to the rest of the club as well, because uh, they're going to be having tests left, right and centre, aren't they, I think? Uh, yeah, I think they get two, two a week, don't they? I think so, yeah, something like that. So uh, hopefully nobody else tests positive. And then we uh, we rip it up against Cheltenham in the playoffs, lads. Way E-I, E-I, E-I-O. <laughs> Can we make a prediction yet, Charles, or not? No, uh, no, not I'm, yet. I'm don't desperate risk to make a prediction. Do you know what? I can't wait for that. <laughs> I, I won't be making any predictions. I'm too scared. Here's two nil up. Two nil up after the first leg. <laughs> lose, lose three two. <laughs> Hi, Chesie here. I just wanted to say thank you for listening to it's all cobblers to me, and to tell you how you can help support the podcast. Every week, I, along with Neil and Danny, make it as difficult as possible for Charles to edit the thing and ruin his Monday. That's why we set up our Patreon page. 
For just five US dollars a month, that's about four quid, you'll help to keep the podcast going and get your very own thank you jingle. So if you enjoy what we do and want to support us, head over to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me. Now let's get back to the pod. A quick question. Have any of you featured in a national Sunday newspaper at all this week? Uh, not that I'm aware of. No? Uh, I'll give you the answer. Yes, you have. Oh. <laughs> the Sunday Mirror. Has your phone been hacked? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-oh. We're in, we're in the Sunday Mirror, guys. What, what have we done? Are we? Uh, well, uh, it, it seems Matthew Boziot, hi, Matthew, if you're listening, uh, which apparently you do regularly, he quite enjoyed our podcast with Ricky Holmes because he's taken our chat with Ricky and written a whole article about it in today, Sunday's Sunday Mirror. Has he actually? Has he? <laughs> he has. I've got it here. Right here in front of me. This is a true story. Charles, have you been on the beer? True story. <laughs> Are you ready for the headline? Yes. Flip-flop Thursdays. Beers and keepy-uppies. How Boss Wilder inspired Cobbler's resurgence and then League Two title win. Is this serious? <laughs> this is serious. Deadly serious. We've made the mirror. What? Are you ready? Are you ready for this? <laughs> sat ready I've got, I'm getting some popcorn <laughs> Holmes recalls his days at Northampton under Wilder as the best of his career after a spell playing alongside Snowflakes at Portsmouth oh god he bagged 11 goals from midfield in the 2015-16 season as the Cobblers were beaten only 5 times in 46 matches and finished 13 points clear of Oxford Holmes remembered what were known as flip-flop Thursdays during his time <laughs> at Northampton under Wilder he said in the It's All Cobblers to Me podcast, hey, after we hey, knew we hey. were promoted, we get drunk every day. We all liked a little drink. <laughs> There's, there is more, but I'm not going to read anymore because the only bit that's really important is that we got some free promo in a national bloody newspaper. Yay! <laughs> for the podcast. Lads, 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 lads. Did you get some royalties for that, Charles? Uh, you know what? I don't know. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't tell them. I didn't go to them. Matthew Bojet, yeah, uh, obviously quite enjoys and is obviously a subscriber. So, uh, hi, Matthew. Thanks very much. Our Patreon, by the way, patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me if you want to pay a little bit back for the, the nice article that we gave you. Charles, who's, who's Matthew Bojet? He's apparently the uh, the writer of this article. If we, is this? What's happening? <laughs> right, hang on. You don't believe me with this, do you? I'm going to have to. I'll WhatsApp it to you. Okay, that will help the listeners. Well, <laughs> I'll put it on Twitter. It'll be on Twitter. I'll show that. Oh, there you go. There's the picture to our WhatsApp group. And uh, now, live on the pod. Better not be another dick pic. <laughs> <laughs> another one. Um, hashtag too big to play football. Um, hi, Bayo, if you're listening. Um, yeah, I'll just pop that on Twitter. Um, looks like Love that. we made that's amazing. Newspapers. That is really wicked. Flip Flop Thursdays has gone national this week. Matthew Bozier, you're in for a corker. Please welcome to the podcast, uh, 2015 2016 skipper Mark Richards. First of all, Mark, how are you doing? You okay? Hi guys, yeah, I'm okay. Thank you. Um, yourselves? Yeah, good, good. Thank you very much. Yeah, how's uh, lockdown been for you? Um, it actually first started off like a, a, you know, when the season finishes and then play, play. Well, I do anyway. I tend to go off the rails for a couple of weeks. 
you know, going out, having a beer, socialising as much as possible. It's kind of extended into like a 10-week um, like beer fest in my house. <laughs> um, where, where I'm supposed to be looking after my body and maybe return to football in a couple of weeks. I've just been battering it. But apart from that, yeah, it's been great. To be fair, I think that's pretty much what everybody's done that has been furloughed and therefore hasn't had to do any actual work, obviously. And Ch- people that have done work as well. <laughs> yeah, to be fair. So Chessie's a teacher and she's still been getting on it. So yeah, it's... Uh... <laughs> I've and got on school, two yeah. and a half stone. Oh, Christ. Just keep eating cake. It's ridiculous. <laughs> the trouble is, Easter fell at the beginning, didn't it? And it was just downhill spiral from there. Yeah, I tried to stay away from the chocolate Easter. Hi, I'm Ricky Holmes, and it's all cobblers to me. So, right, we've had a few questions asked on Twitter for you, and we'll, we will get to those. But obviously what tends to happen is that, you know, a lot of those questions will end up being answered anyway by, by what we talk about. But anything that we miss, we'll, we'll make sure we give those people a name check. And, and I know... Really, first of all, a few people have actually asked us just to simply find out about your your journey to becoming a footballer. And like, was it the thing that you wanted to do from the moment that you sort of knew football existed? Yeah, I think like with, with most players, it's something you, you, you dream about as a kid. And it, it was all like, all I ever did, really, at, at school, even had no, no interest in school whatsoever. And something I regret now, but my mind was just like solely focused on playing football. You know, get to break time, lunch times, end, end of day, going home, going out and playing football, just constant football. So it was pretty relentless. And to be honest, I, I never really went through the the academy style setups when I was young, younger. weren't quite good enough or, or, or up to scratch. So I never really experienced that, um, I suppose, school of excellence style. So how did you actually get into it then? Were you playing for school or county or something and then a scout saw you? Yeah, so I had a season at, at Stoke when I was 13 to 14, got released, went back to playing uh, Sunday League. I did really well with my Sunday League club. We were one of the better clubs in, in the county, in the, the local area. Uh, got picked up and went to my, my most local non-league team, which was Hansford. Uh, ended up playing their youth team reserves at sort of 15, 16. And then was picked up by a Blackburn scout uh, and offered, offered a trial and went up there. So did you go straight into their youth team then, was it? Or was yeah. that, yeah, y, was it YTS still then? Yeah, no, so it, it, was, it would have been the academy scholarship. Right. So I think it had not long changed. So into the, like, instead of, it went from the two-year YTS to three-year scholarships, which right. gave you know, the youngsters a little bit more of a chance to, to progress. So was it, you, you never played for Blackburn officially, I'm, I'm presuming uh, here? I made, I made two appearances, both in the, the League Cup. But uh, most of the time it was all loan games, was it? And just learning your trade? Yeah, God, yes. So I, had, I think I had four or five loans during that period. And at that stage, I think there, w- there weren't a limit on the loans that you could have during the season where there is now. I think you can only, only register for so many clubs. And I think the first season I went out on loan, I think I had three loans that season. Yeah, I mean, I've got here so it's saying, now bear in mind, this is Wikipedia, mate, so it could be a load of rubbish but crew Oldham in your first series season so that's 2001 it says here and then Halifax and Swansea in 2002 although that Swansea loan might have been the season afterwards yeah so um, it's crew Oldham Halifax so crew win the champ at the time Oldham League 1 Halifax League 2 and then the season after I had a six month spell at Swansea so you've kind of gone down a little because these days you sort of see a footballer 
start off by going out on loan to a League Two side. If they make it in League Two, then next season they're put out on loan, they go to a League One club, yeah. work their way up, and then eventually, hopefully, they then make it into their Premier League first team. Yeah. You, you kind of went the opposite way. Yeah, I think for me it was a case, because I had the opportunity to go to Bristol Rovers, who were in League One, just before I signed for Crew. I think within the last hour before me signing for Bristol Rovers, I had a call from uh, Dario Grady to go down there on loan. And obviously, at the time, you want to play at the best level you can. And I think me being a Midlands boy as well, um, the crew was on the doorstep and it was just a good opportunity for me to kind of go and live back at home for a month and, and then go and play football for a club that was local to where I lived. How, how does that work in terms of you getting picked up or picked out by a, a football league club to go and play? Because obviously, when as Cobblers fans, you know we've had numerous amounts of youngsters come on loan some of which have gone on to have really really good careers Kyle Walker for example yeah. Saido Berahino who okay maybe didn't have the best career in the world in the end but you know players that came to us and started when we were watching them play for the Cobblers you're kind of going yeah okay they're good but they're still you know nobody knows who they are yeah. I mean obviously a lot of that is down to down to scouting and, and and just that but I mean would that have been a case of a crew scout of just having been at I don't know a Blackburn Reserve game Yes, so yes and no. I think a lot of it goes down to recommendation as well. So the likes of the lower league clubs who haven't got a big scouting network, it's hard to get out there and look at so many young players to see what fits into what you're working with at your local club or your team. So a lot of it is recommendation. So, for example, a Northampton manager might be looking for a centre midfielder. He might get his secretary or whoever his contacts may be, might be a text message to say, look, I'm after a centre midfielder or it might be to an agent. Have you got anyone for me? So it's something as simple as that, really. And eight times out of 10, these, these loans could be half decent, but you might, you might, you might, get, you might get the gem and then you, you could get a bad egg as well. So um, I've seen plenty of them. <laughs> I bet. So how did you move to... As well. <laughs> how did you move to uh, Six Hours come about then? So I'd just been released by Blackburn. Martin Wilkinson at the time was a manager. I think he'd stepped up from being the chief scout to, to yeah. manager. Yeah. So he was crackers in. <laughs> Good guy, but wow, he's just miles off it. Well, was that your, your, your take when you first sort of met him on the training pitch? As a manager, like miles off it. And do, do you think maybe in the fact that essentially it was new owners as well at the time. So the Cardoza family had come in. Had they just come in? Yeah, they'd come in. So what would it have been? Christmas-ish time? Season before? Yeah. So they'd have come in around about then with Andrew Ellis heading them up. Terry Terry Fennick immediately replaced Kevin Broadhurst as manager. Then he lasted seven games. Andrew Ellis then disappeared probably off to Scotland to go and run Rangers or something daft. And then... It basically became just the Cardozas and Martin Wilkinson got given the job towards the end of that season. Yeah, he'd, uh, I'd spoke to him previously about like loans like in my time at Blackburn. Uh, I think there was an opportunity for me to come come on loan and that never materialised. So th- there was always that link there where he, he'd seen me play. Uh, he invited me down for a trial game, which we, we'd had two or three weeks off at the end of the season. And I remember thinking, Christ, you know, I've, I've got a career to forge you. I've got to go and play a trial game after I've been off for two or three weeks. And my dad was like, look, just go down there, see, just do your best. 
and, and see what happens. I think just him knowing what I was like previous to the trial game, because I was a shambles in that game, to be honest. <laughs> he was baking up, I was sweating beer. Yeah. Anyone that was there that didn't know me would have, would have thought I was a bit of a shambles, but luckily he offered me two years and you know, I couldn't say no. It was off the back of coming on, uh, being on loan at Swansea as well, where I did quite well. That was that was when they were right at the bottom of the league as well, wasn't it? Swansea? Yeah, they were. Right in the, you basically up saving from relegation out of the football league, right? Yeah, single-handedly uh, saved them, so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all their success now is just down to you. Yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. yeah. So all, all them million-plan <laughs> players they've got. And that, that big brand new stadium they've got, yes, that's my doing. Should have just call it the Mark Richards Stadium. Bit. Yeah, they might as well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> at, least, at least name one standoff, man. <laughs> I'm Chris I'm Wilder. And it's all cobblers to me. Obviously then, Wilkinson doesn't last very long into that season and gets replaced by Colin Calderwood. You then do have a, a pretty decent season with the cobblers at that point, obviously getting to play Man United as well. Yeah. Um, but the one thing that we all kind of do remember, maybe unfortunately, is that it took a little while for you to get going, didn't it? Yeah, God, yeah. It took me, what was it, about 22 games to get my first goal? Well, yeah. I mean, again, Wikipedia says it was 27 league games, but you did score twice in the FA Cup against West someone small. Uh, Western Superman was that, I think. Yeah. I was there. I was there oh, yeah. that day. It's <laughs> like your back garden, <laughs> we weren't it? We put, we put um, <laughs> Coppers flags in the car. And drove because obviously from where we are, we got a lot of abuse <laughs> for um, obviously being being in a, in a cobblers related car that day. Right, okay, yeah. God, yeah, I remember that. Um, so yeah, so Wikipedia says twenty seven. Let's call it. I say twenty two. Let's call it twenty five. <laughs> I'm happy to call it twenty two. Yeah, it's your career. <laughs> yeah, it took me a while. Uh, I think previous to that, I had one scratched off against Huddersfield as well. Uh, a game that got abandoned. Yeah, yeah, I was going to ask you about that because obviously, you know, that, that would have been your first league goal and then yeah. advertising hoarding just falls off the, the stand. Shambles, eh? Yeah, well, well yeah, league just a bit. League two club. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that must have been quite quite tough, really. You've, you've scored a goal, you've celebrated. It's a bit like having VAR, but like 20 years ago. Oh, Suddenly you, oh, your yeah. goals have just been chalked out. Yeah, totally. I remember standing at the side of the pitch after the game had been abandoned and thinking, Christ, like, this is just not my look. So that season, I'd, I'd hit the post, the bar, like, s- numerous times, maybe six, seven times before I got my first goal. I remember going away to Boston and, and cracking the post and, and just thinking, this is just not for me anymore. <laughs> I can't remember that enough. <laughs> did, did you ever think about packing it in? Nah, God, never. Good. Never. I didn't do well enough at school to uh, <laughs> packing it in. Like I say, I tossed school off. So just weren't there weren't there was no other no plan B really. I think as a striker you, you've you've got to have thick skin because there's going to be times where you go through them them dry spells. I've had many of them, but as a youngster, you know you can't you can't let it affect you because if you do, then you start snatching at it, and you know the ball becomes the size of a golf ball, and the, the goal becomes the size of a, a, a five-a-side goal, and it's like it's, it's a, it's a bad way to go. So what was it like? Relief when the first goal went in? Yeah, God, yeah. Yeah, God. I think it was a little bit of a lucky one as well because remember Chrissy Hargreaves having a shot from from distance from from a from a tight angle and the keeper's done really awful with it really. He's just powered it down into my, into my path and just tapped it in from a couple of yards out and 
Uh, for me, that it didn't matter how it went in, as long as it went in. And then from then on, I think my record was pretty good. I think I ended up with like 11 or 12 that season. To be fair, you know, one cracking goal away at Hull. Oh, yeah. God, that's one of my favourites still, that is. That's Amazing Hull. Yeah. To be fair, yeah. I mean, it's still one of those goals that you you always think back on. I mean, we had a few few people on Twitter sort of saying, asking, right, what was your, you know, make sure you find out what his favourite goal was. One lad saying that one of his favourite of yours was the goal he scored against Sheffield United, which yeah. is a good goal. But I'm sort of there going, thinking, he scored better than that. <laughs> <laughs> but it was the occasion as well, wasn't it, of the Sheffield United game? Yeah, totally, there, yeah. there was so much. It wasn't, wasn't just a game of football. Even for Cobblers fans being in the stand, it was more than the game of football that day, wasn't it? Yeah, without a doubt. And I think the way the game had gone against them at their place... We'd put in a, such a good battling performance, and did we get beat one nil? Yeah, yeah, last yeah. minute. I, I'd come off, I think, about five or ten minutes before the end, so so I got to see the reaction that their their bench gave when they scored, and literally it was almost as if they wanted to rub it into our faces a little bit, and it was just it was just annoying. So I remember thinking, if I scored in that game, the home game, that I would just go and do the same thing. So I did. <laughs> <laughs> I ran down the touchline. Bear in mind, I was blowing out my arse by the time I got there. <laughs> it was really hot as well that day, wasn't it? It was, it was, yeah, it was mega horrible. day. Well, unfortunately, obviously, the beat was 2-1. So, kind of backfired a little bit. What's so better as a, strike, as a striker? Um, scoring four like you do against Macclesfield or scoring a wonder strike, would you rather score one wonder goal or four in one match, nearly nah, five? I, I, well, you got... I'd rather score four, four off my arse than one wonder goal. <laughs> Yeah, without a doubt. I think the more the merrier. Um, obviously, it looks great when you end the season with 20-plus goals. And I've managed to do that on three or four occasions, I think. And um, you can look back on season and think, I did, did all right that season. Should have been what? five at Macclesfield, shouldn't it? You had one disallowed. Yeah, one popped off as well, yeah. yeah. And that was the best one of the lot. Yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> you say about those four or five seasons that you've got 20 or more. What would you put those seasons down to? Because you, you've basically, from what I can see, you've done it for uh, two clubs, us and Port Vale, were your two clubs that you scored more than 20 goals for. Yeah. And they are the two clubs that you've played the most games for in your career and spent the most yeah. time at. Is it down to kind of being comfortable in where you are? Yeah, I, th- I think so. I think you, you get a feel for the place. And being at Port Vale, that was one of my local clubs from where I was, I was brought up family that supported Port Vale as well so you know, it took me a while to get going at Port Vale as well um, first season I think I only got five and I'd been injured with hernias and Achilles problems with my first season so that was very stop start but once got once I got going you know I, I did really well there and I think the manager and, and the players that you you play with as well are a massive help um, so I had Mick Adams remember him yeah mm-hmm. very old school very Taskmaster like um, used to come in swinging his whistle around, and he knew that if he, he knew if he had his stopwatch on him, we'd be it'd be a running day. We'd be running our bollocks off, and he was just very straight down the line. Four four two, two quick wingers and two two strikers, uh, and that worked for me very much. Like with Chris Wilder, Chris Wilder a little bit old school as well, and and Alan Neil being the the tactical genius and formation shape and set pieces. That again, that that worked really well for me because they had the players then that 
that provided me with the goals. You know, Kai Mohammed, for example, in the first couple of seasons, uh, Ricky Holmes, Nick Adams, players like that. They're like gold dust to me. Certainly, the, the the style of play that I am. You know, I'm not the most skillful, but I know where the net is sometimes. And if you put the ball in good areas, then uh, you know, hopefully, I'll do my best to get on the, on the end of it. To be fair, I always thought you as being in in that second spell, especially at the club, that you were kind of Mister Reliable in front of goal. I mean, you obviously took the penalties, so therefore, there's yeah. a there's obviously a confidence in you from the management and your teammates and everything as well. But did you get that feeling of confidence coming from the stands as well? Yeah, gotcha. So, like I say, you, you, you go into some clubs and you, and you don't feel comfortable, don't feel like the surroundings right, the supporters might get on your back a little bit, but I never felt like that at either Port Vale or, or Northampton. And certainly the first season I did Northampton, um, when I was a youngster, you know, I've gone, what we say, in 25 games without a goal. And even then, you know, the, the, the fans never turned on me, so... I suppose really it was just a case of just trying to do what I could when I could and, and, and even if I weren't getting the goals just work as hard as possible Was there was there a striker that you grew up watching that you modelled yourself on at all? You, you being a, li- a little bit older than me obviously yeah. um, <laughs> uh, Steve Ball probably I'm a, I'm a Wolves fan so yeah again Steve Ball probably not the most skillful but you know, he would head and kick everything, run around like a, a blue ass fly, and maybe that's where I've got it from. Not the most, not the most skillful, but we'll, we'll work as hard as possible. To be fair, he's absolutely loved, isn't he, in in Wolverhampton? Roger. He's like a proper legend. So I mean, in fairness, yeah. if you're going to model yourself on on someone, then you pick someone like that. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. I'm Joel Byram, and it's all cobblers to me. The second season that you spent with us didn't really go to plan. You were injured an awful lot of the time. And then obviously at the end of that season, you, you get released. You don't have a, a new contract given to well, you. I started that, that season quite well. Obviously got injured. So is that having a bad season, getting injured? Well, no, I, I just mean in, in terms of the fact that you got injured, that, that's not great Is yeah. for you as a player. You know, you want to be playing football every week. Yeah, so, but, you know, um, I know you can't do anything about it. Yeah. I told my media twice, in fact. Yeah. Yeah, wasn't it straight? Wasn't it the game after you came back as well? Uh, like, it was the game that I came back. Came yeah, on, they, came on as a sub. Yeah. So I think I've been out two months. First game back, I did it again. So I ended up being out another. Mm. another I remember. Before. I remember because I was I was mega young then, and I remember Sean trying to explain it to me, and and because I was so little, I was like, well, I don't really understand. He was like, well, he's not very well. I was like, oh. I was so upset as a, as a youngster because it was when I started to fall in love with football that kind of year and it, it was horrible because it, I remember it really clearly being the exact game you came back. It yeah. must have been horrendous. Yeah, it was a pain in the arse, yeah. especially to be that, that young as well and try and deal with, you know, I, I pretty much missed the whole season. I think I played five or six games at the start of the season. Ended up going on loan to... Rochdale towards the end of the season to try and get some match fitness and then I think I played four games there got two goals and then by the time I came back it was the playoffs we were in the playoffs so I played what less, probably less than 15 games that season and then didn't in that playoff game am I right in saying you were ill as well that's the first season Dalton was the second season and that was a season where I'd been injured for however long 
first season. Yeah, the, fir- the first game I was I was ill. I think I had like tonsillitis or throat infection or something. First leg. Obviously, we lost 2-0. That was awful that day. No offence. <laughs> yeah, it was crap. Yeah. It was so bad. But then to go away and, and win and get 3-0 off like we needed. Mm. Um, we, um, that was such an, I know we all know it was a, a complete injustice, but, but what an advert for the camaraderie in that squad to try and even get it. I mean, effectively, we should have won by default and we didn't. But the fact that you even managed to get it to that point was, was yeah. miraculous, really. I remember coming off after 65, 75 minutes, whatever it was, and, and we were 3-0 up and thinking, Christ, we've done it. The fans were chanting some sort of chant behind the goal and like I was there sat on the, on the, on the sideline like joining in with the chant. <laughs> you know, you just think, Christ, we've, we've overcome something massive here and, and then just to have it taken away from us so 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 undeservedly, really, um, was obviously gutting. That incident with the Mansfield player, he should have got sent off that must have been right in front of the bench as well, was it? Did you yeah, that was, that was the incident, yeah. So yeah. he should have been sent off. Mm. Then he went on to score, I think. Yeah, he he, he was a bad tackle on Eric Sabin. Mm-hmm. He should have been sent off. They ended up getting a free kick, and then from the free kick, he scored. Yeah, I think it still makes us all a bit angry now, doesn't it? Yeah, let's move on from that. Don't like to talk about <laughs> it. Yeah, exactly. There we go. Yeah, <laughs> it makes us so angry. Do you think about it? Get on to the promotion season, Charles. Thanks to Patreon supporter Jill Brothers. When was the first time that you knew that Wilder wanted you? It was during my second season at Chesterfield, come towards the end of the season. How Chris knew Richie Humphreys, you know, Richie Humphreys, the PFA chairman, mm-hmm. ex-Jeffrey Wednesday. I was playing with him at Chesterfield at the time and he, he, he pulled me towards the end of the season and said, look, have got someone who's interested in speaking to you end of the season if, if you're going to be interested. He says, yeah, yeah, no problem. And then, Obviously, lo and behold, it was it was Chris. So I'd gone in for for contract talks with Chesterfield and just got promoted. They tried to cut my money in half. So That's nice of them. Yeah. So <laughs> I thought, right, okay, I'll, I'll go and speak to Chris and see what they've got to say. And the day I came down, didn't expect to sign. Just expected to come down, have a chat. Obviously, I knew the stadium and stuff from previous, so it weren't as if he had to bring bring me down to show me around and stuff. It was just a, a case of him telling me what he was looking for as a manager and, and picking my head really at what I, what I wanted as a player. And then I think I ended up signing that day. I was offered, I was offered three years at, at thir- I think I was 32 at the time. So to be offered three, a three-year deal at 32 was was pretty good. Yeah, there was no hesitation but to sign. How different was it this time around as a club? Were there, obviously it's different, I know, just different ends of the ownership scale, really, in that way. You started off at the very beginning of the Cardozo's reign and then you were there right at the end as well, but with a gap in the middle. Had it, had they done much to actually sort of change the club in their time? No. Obviously, like you say, I've, I've gone there at the start of the Cardozo's reign. There was money being thrown about left, right and centre under Martin Wilkinson and under Colin Calderwood. I'm sure he had a big budget as well, his season and... Obviously, the ten years in between—is it ten years in between, or it's roughly years? that, yeah, nine Where or roughly. ten, yeah. So it's you've gone from Cardoza throwing money at it to Cardoza pulling money out left, right, and centre, and and taking money from whoever he can. Um, so that totally total different end of the spectrum. Like Ricky told us that 
well, towards the end of, of what was it, sort of October, November time, when basically it was a simple case of uh, the Cardos is needed to be bought out by somebody. Somebody else needed to come in. There was no money. Like, I didn't really know this because I think we all thought and we were all worried as fans, it's getting to the point where you guys haven't been paid and that you can probably just sign for another club for you know, you, you basically your contract's just torn up and you're free yeah, to go. Yeah, there's a period of time, isn't there, where if you're not paid within that certain time, then you can just leave. Yeah, well, I thought, you see, that, that unless I've got it wrong and that period of time is actually longer, but is it like just like two weeks or something? It's not it's very weeks, long. Yeah, two weeks. So actually, when you hear in the media about like clubs this season not playing their players, like Macclesfield have done on a couple of occasions this year and the last season, Southend as well, you know, and don't get me wrong, two weeks is a is far too long to go without being paid, mm. you know, from when you're supposed to. Any of us would agree that. But almost at the same time, that seems like quite a short amount of time compared to how it maybe feels. In, you know, obviously in your position is completely different. You're closer to it. But as fans yeah. who are like that going, shit, this is really bad. You've not been paid. How long have they been paid? I had it in my head that it was like a three-month thing. It's okay, like, saying, yeah, we players could leave. And, and actually, back to the matter is, did any of the players really want to leave? And secondly, was there any clubs looking to take any of the players that were, weren't getting paid? There's two well, one, sides of it, isn't there? Yeah, well, that's it. I mean, we heard, and I think Chris Wilder alluded to it in that infamous post-match press conference he did at Notts County, Notts County that yeah. there were... Clubs in for you. Yeah. Um, Portsmouth, I believe. Portsmouth. Shrewsbury, I think, maybe. Not being fine. No disrespect to us. But Portsmouth are a massive club. Huge, yeah. Totally. So, the way, the way I kind of always thought of it was that you literally just say, the gaffer has said to you, look, Portsmouth are, are asking about you. Do you want to talk to them? And you say no. Is that true? Or did you speak to them and then decide actually no? Um, I remember not speaking to Portsmouth. I remember saying to to Chris, look, you know, I, I weren't interested in leaving, but it's going to come a point where, like, I, I need some money. Mm. Like, I'm on my arse a little bit here, not been paid for a couple of weeks, whatever it was. Got mortgages, kids to feed, wife's, wife's bills to look after as well. You know, getting <laughs> hair, makeup, nails, as she sat right next to me. <laughs> That's <laughs> brave. <laughs> Feeling brave at the moment. <laughs> yeah, it, it was never a case that I w- I wanted to leave it. You know, as big as a big a bigger an opportunity that would have been to go to Portsmouth and play for such a big club in a, a lower league. Um, did I want to uproot my family and and move down there? Not really. As nice as it is down there, didn't really want to get up and leave. So, yeah, that, that was how the conversation went. But. Try and try and sort something out. And remember, before the Notts County game, he he, he said to me, "Look, because I, I had to do the press after after that game as well. Whatever happens, you know, we've we've just got to stick it on the chairman." So I remember, you know, I, I tried to stick it on the chairman a little bit as well in my interview, just saying, "Look, if if there's potential buyers out there that that have got you know the finances that prove they've got the finances, then you know, we need this to happen because as players." You know, we're just not able to survive. You know, we're not we're not Premier League Championship players who've been on fortunes. You know, we're League Two footballers who, like every other person that doesn't play football, 
And then I remember Chris doing his interview after and he, he proper went for it. So Maybe you gave him the confidence to just go, he maybe he just looked at it and went, well, you haven't done enough there. I'll have to yeah, go at least. Yeah, you, you probably thought, Rico, you've let, you really let me down there. <laughs> um, I, need to do, I need to do this myself. Talking of uh, the, the chairman at that time was Cardo, so I know we mentioned him earlier. Did, did you have much dealing with him? Um, I mean, our view of him, I guess, is the, the, the nicest word I probably shouldn't say on the podcast. Um, but I think we've got we've got some yeah. Well, we've got some t-shirts made up with a fa- with his face on that just says on it. I think so. <laughs> but did as, as players, obviously, that time was really really difficult for you guys because, like I say, look, you, you're normal human beings and you're waiting to get paid and you need that money to support your family and yeah. pay for your mortgages, all that sort of stuff. And that did did only just gone by then. Just gone. Wasn't wasn't nowhere to be seen. That's ridiculous, isn't it? No one could get hold of him. Did you see much before that either, or was it like was he around the place much? Or was it, did he? It, it was strange because the season before I'd just signed for th- I'd signed a three year contract with him, and you know how how can things change in twelve months so quickly? Ten million quid. That's a, that's out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, we went from a team that just before I signed, you know, obviously Wilder, Wilder kept us up and. Mm-hmm. Ivan Tony's over a kick and all, all that non that you know that, which was the hysteria of keeping the club in the league, and then and then building on that, I think we finished eleventh or twelfth. Yeah, twelfth first yeah. season. So you could see there was there was something there was momentum being built. The players that we he was bringing in, Jason Taylor, Ricky Holmes, Brennan Maloney, I think were the three lone players that came in. And really kicked us on that season, and then they ended up they ended up re-signing. I'm thinking something good going here, so I just don't know why he he would be so eager. Like you say, the ten million quid, off you go. Yeah. Why would you be so? Other than that, why would you be so eager to, to sort of down tools and and just let everything slide by? James Whiting's a good guy. I haven't got a bad word to say about him. He's got a, a, an office that have staff in that are. That work tirelessly for each other, and you know, I, I still speak to some of the office staff now, and I can get along with everyone at the club. So, you know, I'm still part and parcel of the club. I'm still there as an, an academy coach, and still want to be involved as, as much as possible. Thanks to Patreon supporter Thomas Chiswell. To be fair, I, mean, I was going to ask you about that sort of community that was there at the time that you were captain and you were playing. We we heard a lot from Joel Byram last week, and. <laughs> Um, Ricky before Nicky as well has, has, has had a chat with us and and all of them have just glowing references of the the team spirit and that community that was built yeah. not just for you guys as players but as the club as whole so we're, we're talking about you know the guys in the shop and yeah. the ticket office everybody was the one and then obviously Mortz as well that is just raved about and and obviously is a crucial part of the success but you were the captain I mean, what kind of role did you have in actually setting that up? Do you take any kind of pride in, in the way that that was under your stewardship? Oh, of course. Uh, I mean, firstly, credit to myself for setting all that up <laughs> and making sure it was a well-oiled ship. But other than that, you know, as a captain, I didn't really need to do much other than just try and make sure that the lads didn't bully Mortz too much. <laughs> I think um, was it Joel who said that you were his designated driver. <laughs> I still am, I think. 
Yeah, he rings or texts me when he wants something. <laughs> but, you know, I think Mort, Mort was a, a massive part in, in what our day-to-day life was about. Probably a lot of stories that we, we probably can't say too much about, which involve Mort, but he was kind of the heartbeat of the dressing room. And I, I think what, what also helped was the, the fact that maybe we didn't have an actual training ground to use, so we never had Moulton at the time. Mm. So Moulton was never a regular thing for, for us to, to go and train at. We, we'd go and train over on, on the pitches over at Upton on a Friday morning. Mm. the country park, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we'd train on there on a Friday and you'd be looking around and, and thinking, I'm trying not to step in a, a dog shit here. <laughs> but little things like that. So we, 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 we'd meet up at, at the ground, so we'd get train changed at the ground every day. So then... That then escalated into us getting to know the office staff and seeing the groundsmen, seeing people who worked in the club shop on a more of a regular basis. And that, that's what brought everyone together. Do, do you think then maybe that, because a, a lot of fans will say things like, oh, we don't even have our own training facilities and stuff like that, and, and kind of use that as a way to sort of beat the club with a stick and say we're not as good as we, we should be or whatever. Sounds to me like you're actually saying that that's a positive yeah, without a doubt. And, and, and what you've just spoke about there with, with regards to the club being so tight-knit and having that, that sort of family-style relationship where everyone knew everyone. So it was never a case of, oh, we turn up at the ground and it'd just be the players and the, the coaching staff and then the office staff over on the other side. Everyone knew everyone. So it was a case that You'd never not know someone's name, or you'd never not be able to say hello to someone because you didn't know the name. Were there any kind of players that I don't know? Maybe you thought at the time, what what are you doing playing here? You, either because you're too good, like I mean, maybe we sort of look at Ricky Holmes a little bit and sort of go, well, it's no wonder he did go on to play for a bigger team in Charlton and and found that he could take free kicks, as he said. Uh, <laughs> he scores free kicks, is he? Apparently so, but only when he uh, got not, to Charlton. Um, he kind of he's like the Benjamin Button of football, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> like he he's just done, he's done his career the opposite way. He was really crap, and then what played he played a lot of football, like sort of non-league. Yeah, so even when he came towards, you know, he, he's he's come off the back of not being released from or being told he could leave from Portsmouth, was it? Yeah. Mm. So that's quite hilarious looking back isn't it the thing that they they let him go effectively and what we got out of that season I mean the quality in that whole squad including him was just ridiculous I can't I can't believe that the group of players that we had we'd got and what Wilder got out of them I think that's obviously credit to Wilder as well uh, and not I, I say Wilder it's, it's Wilder and Neil mm. and anyone that talks about Wilder has to mention Nilly as well because they're a partnership and they, they bounce off each other so well that it's like when you see Wilder doing interviews on Sky Sports News, I'm thinking, well, he's, he's nearly getting as much praise or as much credit as what he actually deserves. And oh, yeah. sometimes I think I don't think he does, but he needs as much credit as what everyone else got because he was almost pivotal in that season. And he does come across as a shy guy. You know, as much as he isn't, he's just a quiet person. Mm. He, I think if, if you ever watch the day we picked the trophy up 
see if you can see look at Nilly or see pictures of Nilly, he's, he's not one that's got his his arms in the air shouting, screaming mm. Mm. like everyone else did on that on that platform. He, he'd be <laughs> yeah. the one stood at the side, maybe maybe feeling a little bit embarrassed. Yeah. Mm. You sometimes need that, though, don't you? As well, like with a character like Wilder, you need that someone who's going to take a step back and actually and think things through. You can tell by his free kick routines and all that that yeah, totally. He really so, thought about it, and it, it, they kind of just played off each other really well. Yeah, they did. Yeah, so obviously Wilder was Mister Angry and Nilly was Mister Calm. Cool, calm, <laughs> collected, Mr. like Mister Men. Yeah, uh, Mister Cool, Calm, and Collected. So yeah, they, they they do bounce off each other really well. So when um, the end of that season does come and, and Chris and, and Nilly go over and up to Sheffield United. Obviously, we also lose a lot of players as well, including all the loanees go back. Uh, Ricky signs for Charlton. Nicky disappears off to signs for Carlisle. You were one of the ones that stuck around. Yeah. What's your opinion and your take on what happened in that summer with the turnover of playing staff? Yeah, absolutely not enough was, was done to keep the nucleus of that squad or to even give the nucleus of that squad a chance to play in, in League One together. You know, the, the players that were on loan, there's not much you can do about them, but there's certainly the players that we brought in that summer that we paid money for and we didn't want to give any more money or enough money to Ricky Holmes, players like that, for him to stay, which he wanted to stay, were, were, were not even half as good as what Ricky Holmes was. Mm. And we're paying money for them. Yeah. We say it all the what time on here, don't we? We say it that actually that League Two squad that won the championship would have probably been mid-table in League One, given the chance. They'd have been hitting the playoffs. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I, but I, I think we could have gone up and maybe gone up again. Yeah. Having kept the whole squad, that is. So you're talking the lone players. So Marquis, James Collins, Adam Smith, I think he left. Nick Danny, Evans left. Danny Rose. Danny Rose Nick left. Rose. So we're talking keep all them players, have a good go. But then is the club set? Is the club prepared then to go that extra step? And, and maybe they weren't financially. Can the club afford to get promoted again? You say that, but look at Burton. I mean, Burton are a smaller club than, than Northampton are. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And, and they, what, did they have two spell, two years in the championship in the yeah. end or did they come straight yeah. back down? I think two years. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean... Yeovil as well. Yeovil did that, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it can happen. And I mean, yeah. okay, fine. Those clubs have, I mean, Burton have established themselves in League One now since then. So, they'll have earned a bit of money in the championship and then they basically find a, a level where they can compete. Yeah. That, that could have been us. Could have been. Yep, definitely. Most it definitely. Does, it, it does go the other way, though, because uh, I know, obviously, from living in Somerset, and most of my work colleagues are uh, Yeovil Town um, season ticket holders, and they, they actually say they'd give up that day at Wembley and not have it to stay in the league. It swings definitely. in roundabouts, doesn't it? It can go well, one way or it can go the other way. Yeah, without a doubt. And if you get in the championship, you, you've got to be looking to not pay top dollar for players that, that are earning ridiculous amounts, you know, the top end of the champ. But to give yourself any chance of staying up, did Yeovil, or could Yeovil afford it? Probably not. And 
they've probably suffered the consequences since that. I suppose it's a case of how you go and set yourself up, isn't it? Isn't it? I mean, I know that a lot has happened since with Blackpool, for example, but I mean, at the point where they were in the Prem, there was a lot of praise given to them and their owners at the time. And I know obviously it all went wrong and it, it wasn't praise that was deserved. But, you know, there was a lot of praise saying that, well, they weren't splashing the cash. They weren't throwing money at average Premier League players or players from Europe and yeah. things like that. Because everyone thought, actually, they're doing quite well here. Even if they do go down, they've not hurt themselves financially. They yeah. can have another stab of it. Now, obviously, that money didn't go to doing that and then they found themselves back in League 2 not long after but there are technically ways and means of going about it as long as you don't have a greedy chairman by the looks of it yeah of course yeah and you'd like to think that everyone that knows Kelvin knows that he's a, he's a level-headed guy that talks a lot of sense and you know he's not a greedy he doesn't seem to be a greedy guy he doesn't want doesn't want the world he just wants to be able to run and sustain a football club that that works well for the size of the, the, the club and the town. So going back to what you said about players coming in that were being signed that weren't as good and they're being paid money or transfer fees are being paid to get those players in. Alex Ravel was one of the players that came in yeah. in that season. Did you think that that was your direct competition and that you were being almost forced out? Um, I wouldn't say forced out. Revis is a good player. He's played at a better level or f- for a longer period of time than, than I have. So it, it, maybe it should have just been me or Revs rather than me and Revs leading the attack. And then with players that could play off either of us two. Now, did the club ever do that in, in terms of the, the recruitment? You know, bring in players that could play off me or, me or Revs. I don't think they did. And, and I think the way me and Revs are as players or the way we trained, we, we never wanted to give up that place. So mm. I think the way we trained and the way we were as people and, and players almost forced the manager's hand to play us both just because of how hard we'd work, our attitudes towards everything that we did. Were the other players in and around us doing enough to, to knock me or Revs out of the team? I don't think so. Do, do you though look at it? Because I, I know that, you know, and I'm not, I'm not a football manager. I've never played football at all well, ever, not even to any Sunday league standard. But a lot of fans, and, and I would have said at the time, and not that you don't play well together, but you're not necessarily suited because you're so alike yeah. in the type of player that you are. So why would you play two big men up front, essentially? Yeah. Why not have big man, little man? And okay, even if it means that you guys basically are swapping every week until one of you starts banging in, you know, hat-tricks every week and then you can't be shifted by the other guy. I get what you mean about you both seem undroppable, but you're an experienced pro at that time. So was Revs. So did either of you ever turn around and say, well, actually, maybe it would work better for the team if we went with a different either formation where it was just the one of you up front or whether you just went... Why don't we try a different strike partner? No. Answer to your question is no. Um, <laughs> not one of us would have wanted to have come out of the team. And, and that just shows the type of people that we both are. Uh, we both hungry to were, were hungry to play and are still hungry to play. And uh, we, we both wanted that, that jersey. And for me, it was maybe the, the manager at the time needed to be a little bit stronger with either one of us. And if that was me, 
the, the, the person that he, he, he wanted to leave out, then you know, that's what you're paid to do as a manager. Uh, and you, you're paid good money to, to make this, tough decisions. A lot of the time he did. When I didn't play, well, when, when we didn't play together, it was usually me that was left out. Did you think that he was given enough time, Rob Page? Um, how long did he get, roughly? Was it too, about November? Too long, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so it, was FA, it was the FA Cup, wasn't it, that did for him, really? Oh, Starbridge. Oh, it was the Rovers game, Starbridge. wasn't it, when we lost 5-0, wasn't it? When we lost 5-0, well, it was, he came it was out. The stout, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah and he came Peterborough out. Peterborough away, wasn't there? Peterborough away, that was a, a dark mark. Yeah, he basically played Joel Byram in midfield on his own, I think. Um, yeah, Jaws hadn't played for, well, months, yeah. a couple of months. He hadn't been involved at all. And he, he brought Joel in from, from, the, uh, from the freezer <laughs> and, and just dropped him in the centre spot and expected him to thaw out. <laughs> it, it didn't quite happen. <laughs> I remember, I remember Jaws got book, booked early on in the game. I, I, I'd sold him a short pass. And he got booked for what, 20, 25 minutes. And then, obviously, then he couldn't make another tackle. He didn't get close around. And uh, ultimately, ended up getting... I think he got dragged off and never yeah. played again. Rob Page goes, Justin Edinburgh comes in. Yeah. What was the difference there between those two managers? For me, like, Rob Page was a good guy because I worked with him at, at Port Vale. And we had a good relationship there. When he came in, when he first came in, we still had a good relationship. But then I just don't think as a as a as a manager, he, like it, one one of the days where he did drop me, he dropped me. We were doing like a little passing drill uh, on a Friday morning, and as we're doing this passing drill, he just came over and like whispered in my ear that he was going to drop me for the Saturday. And I was like, "What? So you're telling me this now? We've just been inside where you could could have pulled me in the office, or you could have waited till after training to tell me your reasons why." Obviously, the team gets named on a Friday most most times, mm-hmm. and it was just like how you know he's, he's telling me during the middle of a warm up, almost as if <laughs> he doesn't want to have that one v one confrontation, argument, discussion, fight, whatever it might have been. And I just thought for me, it was just a bit of a shit house way to to do that. So he just lost a little bit of respect from from myself, and he and he, he was like that with a few other players as well. But you know, I get that it's football and. Managers do the things the way they want to do it, and for me, Justin Edinburgh came in. He was like a breath of fresh air. He was he was more your mate than the manager, probably too much. Right. Kerslake obviously worked worked at the club previously with Calderwood, so you know two two really good characters. And and, and Justin was a great guy, absolute great guy. I, I can't speak any any highly enough about him. The only thing that really let him down when he came in was probably not working on the shape that we were playing at the time enough. I think we we played three five two most weeks mm-hmm. and for a lot of players that's it's a shape that needs work because there's so many grey areas and it, it weren't quite working I remember saying I remember going to the office and speaking to him about it and said look like we need a bit more clarity in training we need telling whose roles and responsibility are whose and cause obviously results weren't going well and as players you just need a little bit more from the staff and even after that chat we didn't, we didn't work on it and ultimately ended up getting stuck I know that we've spoken to, well, when Nicky came on and did a, a Patreon video Q&A with a few of our Patreon supporters, one of the things that he said that Wilder and Neil did so well was that they just kept everything simple. Yeah, totally. Like he said, League Two footballers, we're not good enough to know intricate details and things. Yeah. 
that kind of sounds a little bit like maybe what you're getting out with the fight of the three five two. Yeah, it's, it's maybe a formation that is perhaps too difficult for players yeah. of that standard. And it, and if you're going to play that, and not a lot of players know it, you've got to work on it. One of the, one of Chris Wilder's favourite saying was "Tee to green." He didn't he didn't give a shit what happened with tee to green. The box to box. Yeah, he does not give a shit what happens. It's League Two football. But then once you're in both boxes, fire and ice. So fire in, in their own box, fire in your eyes, fire in your belly not to concede. But then in the opposition's box, ice, ice cold in front of goal. Which in fairness, I think you were. Well, I was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, when you left, you left in the January after yeah. you'd actually signed a new deal in the summer. Yes, because Justin got the sack and oh, good old Jimbo came in. <laughs> Come on, there's got to be something. Yeah, there's got to be something on Jimmy. Okay, for the first couple of weeks, he called everyone by their squad number. <laughs> oh my God. Really? Yeah. Wow. Hey, I, I totally get he's a, a world famous uh, soccer star that's done everything he can in football. But to call everyone by their numbers for the first week or two was uh, just a little bit disrespectful, I thought. It's like something out of SAS on the telly, you know, the yeah. programme with Ant Middleton and when they go through SAS training and they just get yeah. called their number that's and they're not allowed to be called. Cool. Yeah, that's literally yeah. mad. Yeah, he was an absolute control freak. You said about how, like, obviously he's very, very well known as a player yeah. and played to the highest standard. Was there a sense of arrogance about him because of that? Not really. It was more, like I say, a control that he had to have. So the first home game, so after games, we get food brought out to us uh, in the change room. So it would be usual places like Domino's pizzas or chicken wraps or wedges and whatever. So sometimes it's, it's hard to find things that everyone will eat because not everyone likes the same thing. So we end up agreeing on like, chicken wraps, potato wedges, bit of coleslaw, a like, bit of mayo, bit of barbecue sauce so he comes in after the game all this is lined up in the, on the, the table in front of us so he, he walks past it or he goes look, looks at the chicken wraps he goes no potato wedges no coleslaw definitely not <laughs> so next week so all that's scrapped the week after we, we get a tray of boiled chicken so just plain boiled chicken plain pasta and chopped up Carrots and cucumber. No sauces, no nothing else. And I swear to God, no one touched the thing. You've got lads then leaving the ground. What have you got over the road? KFC, <laughs> McDonald's. <laughs> uh, I just didn't get it. The thing is, players have got to be on side or you've got to win, win over those players. You've got a dressing room full of players that effectively don't know you. Yep. And they've had a completely different management style. You've got to endear yourself to them, haven't you? Of course you have, yeah. And... The best thing that Chris and Nilly did was was exactly that. They got the players on side. The season we got promoted, Chris pulled me, Buchanan and Jason Taylor out onto the training pitch after we had a training session, pre-season session. And we had a chat for about 20 minutes. And he said, look, I don't want to know what's going on in the dressing room. I want you three to run the dressing room. I don't want to have to deal with anything that happened in the dressing room. And that's how it was for the whole season. We had a great fine system. We, we ended up going to Dublin which was paid for on the fine system, which cost about seven, eight grand. 
no one took no one to put a penny in the pocket, uh, a hand in the pocket. Sorry to get any money out. It was all paid for. It was that people then literally just getting fines on purpose. Well, yeah, just so, just so we could get away. Yeah, but no. Was half, was half that just from Collins? Was it from his race course incident? <laughs> Who was the worst offender for fines? Adam Smith, probably. That doesn't surprise any of us, I don't think, does it? No, he just... If he was any any more laid back, he'd be horizontal, really. Did he get fined for that video as well? (laughs) When Adam Smith came in, so you have to do initiation. Most clubs do, like, a sing-sing-song joke. So ours was sing-song. But literally, he did not want to sing. (laughs) We we didn't have a fine on on the, the fine sheet for not singing a song. So we had to make one up on the spot. He was like, okay, so I'm not going to sing. What's the fine for it? So I'm not sure who might be Nick Adams or, or Ricky or someone. I said, uh, oh, 250 quid. Went, right, okay, I'll pay it. But like 250 quid to a League Two footballer is a lot. Yeah. yeah. A lot, yeah. <laughs> he, was happy to not, he was happy to pay it <laughs> and not sing. <laughs> How stupid. He's the worst one. He was the worst singer out of the... Out of your time for oh, initiation. No, everyone was bad. No one was. No one was. Good. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's no one that was just amazing. Nah, nah, not in that, not in that, uh, not in that season. There wasn't that. Before we let you go, we just got a few questions from people on Twitter that we haven't answered. If that's all right, yeah, uh, Rico. So Mark Robinson wants to know how good was Dominic Calvin Lewin. You could tell he was raw, but he had talent and. He was very raw in training, um, very erratic in front of goal, but he had the work ethic to get him to where he's got to now. So he'll even say the same himself. He probably wasn't the most naturally gifted, but he's become that player that's now gifted Mm. because of his work ethic. And you see the shape on him now as as a as a man. Anyone that sees him with his top off and he's, you know, he's he's a he's a bit of a beast now, isn't he? So yeah, just a bit, yeah. Karen on Twitter wants to know whether you'll marry her. I know you misses this out there, so don't worry. <laughs> I'm sad that she can have me. <laughs> Both uh, Aaron Watson and Martin Davis want to know what your favourite goal is that you scored for the Cobblers. Um, so the, I've got three. I've got Hull City away, first yeah. spell. Accrington Stanley away, second spell. Yeah. That, that lob from a ridiculous angle against a six foot seven goalkeeper. Yeah. And yeah, Sheffield United at home. <laughs> to be fair, they're all they're all really good goals, in fairness. So yeah, you can't really separate them. Uh here's another good question. Uh from Lee Garlic, someone I believe you might know. Yeah, Lee Garlic, I know him, yeah. He wants to know why do you coach in trainers? He says that's poor form. Uh <laughs> so <laughs> there is an explanation explanation for this, right? Footballers now do not wear black boots, do they? No. no. Let's be honest, you, could, you cannot buy a decent pair of black boots anywhere. So for my first 12 months of coaching, uh, I'd either wear trainers or my, my match boots. My match boots obviously being red or orange or whatever colour at the time, white. So I didn't have any black boots. And I thought, I'm not spending 60 quid on a pair of shitty night boots, tiempos, that, that I'll wear once a week. And now it's got to a stage where I thought, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to wear black boots. I can't keep wearing red ones. So I have now got some shitty black boots that are worth coaching. <laughs> Mike Fuller, Leeds United fan Mike Fuller. Uh, he wants to know, were you really angry with Nicky Adams when he jumped on your back when we played Cambridge? Uh, Was I really angry? Yeah. 
Because yeah, I think the photo looks like you're fuming. <laughs> I was fuming at the time because I think the referee had given a foul. Yeah. Uh, and then the fact that he jumped on my back and I was trying to have a go at the ref at the time and he just made me look like a right <laughs> Did you know who it was straight away? So, yeah, I knew who it was. So I, I reached round and I stuck my finger up his ass. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, and the last question that we've got, which kind of goes on with what we were going to ask you anyway for your last one. Obviously, you're doing work with the academy now. Uh, what, what's the future hold for you? Obviously, hopefully we'll get back playing football at some point. And, and you'll... Yeah, like, like I say at the start of the, the conversation, I obviously didn't do well enough at school to, to be anything else other than someone that works within football. Going through my, my coaching badges at the moment, I've got my B. I was on the A licence in the summer, which which was tough. And hopefully I'll get that signed off soon. And if I get that, then that will enable me to, to become a coach within a first team environment. So, yeah, definitely to stay in football. And once football, once I have to hang my boots up, you know, playing, then certainly to stay in football and become a coach, whether it be in the league or starting. You know, Chris Wilder started in non-league with Halifax. So, mm. you know, I, I have no problem with getting my hands dirty, maybe going down the leagues and working my way up like he did. I think someone asked, I'm just trying to find exactly who it was. Somebody asked quite specifically if you would come back and manage the Cobblers, but in partnership with Bukes. In partnership? Apparently so. So joint managers by the looks of the tweet. Uh, no, I'm, I'm going all or nothing. That was Ben Rigdon that asked that. I mean, I, I, think it, I think that stems from the fact that obviously you were both captain and vice captain. And therefore, yeah. yeah, of course, yeah, in that, yeah. In that team that won the league, yeah. You know what? Me and Bukes had a laugh about it not so long ago on, on a Zoom call with, with the Academy boys that we did last week. Mm. Well, I think one of them asked the same question or a similar question. And you know, if something like that to happen would be great. I, you know, I have no problem with that. And if that was to ever become, then we'll see. Eh? Brilliant. Well, look, thanks, mate. It's been a pleasure actually having you on here and having a Thank chat. It's a lot closer I got to you than the last time I saw you, which was when you were had that League Two trophy in your hands and you were about to walk into Cars Bar. You must have been looking for someone opening the door. And uh, it was me that was stood the other side. And I just kept looking and going, are you coming in with that trophy or are you just going to stand there and keep it to yourself? No, I, you... must been, I must have been pissed, though. <laughs> I think we all were, mate. I wouldn't worry about that. Yeah. I remember walking onto the bus thinking, Christ, this is going to be a long day. <laughs> Charles, you've got one more to ask. The nomination. Um, so when we oh, spoke, oh yeah, nomination. Oh yeah. When we spoke to Ricky, we asked him to nominate someone, and he nominated Joel, and then Joel has nominated yourself and Jason Taylor. So, out of that that squad from the promotion season, who would you suggest we go to next? Uh, Ryan Creswell. What a funny guy. Funny yeah, well, guy. He's done that brilliant podcast. Hasn't he? He's done a couple actually. But have you listened to that? Yeah, it's brilliant. Brilliant. What a listen. Yeah, definitely get him on. He'll have some right stories for you. Him and Nick Adams were always at it. Hi, I'm Martin Smith, and it's all cobblers to me. Thanks very much to Rico there. Absolute pleasure having him on. Uh, Thank you very much to you guys for listening as well. Uh, It's all cobblers to me. We'll be back next Tuesday. It's all cobblers to me. It's a Vibrant Sound Media production. Thank you to Danny, Neil, and Jesse for being here. We'll see you again next week. And if you can, and if you want to, you can sign up to the Patreon, and you can watch the carnage that you've just listened to. And you can see how fun Rico was taking a mick out of me. (laughs) See you next week. Bye. Bye, Ash.
Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers to Me fan club. Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content, such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me.